Here's today's transformational truth. A healthy culture can cure unnecessary conflict. Welcome to the Transformational Truth Podcast, where we're committed to eliminating the obstacles that take the joy out of life and leadership. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to Transformational Truths. Today's guest is Joe Dobbins. Joe, along with his wife Kayla, serve as the lead pastors of Twin Rivers Church in St. Louis, Missouri. Twin Rivers engages thousands of people each week through multiple campuses and is known for its commitment to serving the community through radical generosity. Joe has a sincere passion for strengthening churches and leaders. He has served many organizations, denominations, and thousands of pastors by expanding their leadership and ministry strategies. Pastor Joe and Kayla live in St. Louis, Missouri with their five children, and today's interview was incredible. My conversation with Pastor Joe was rich, it was practical, and it's going to help you eliminate the barriers that keep you from enjoying the journey of leadership. Let's go ahead and get started. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to Transformational Truths. Here's today's Transformational Truth. A healthy culture can cure unnecessary conflict. And today we're talking about cultivating a healthy culture. And listen, when I'm, when I'm talking about cultivating a healthy culture, I'm not just talking about your business culture or your church culture, because whether you realize it or not, culture goes much deeper than that. In fact, your home and family have a culture that also makes it unique. Um, I've discovered in my own life and in my own leadership that while you can't avoid conflict entirely, you can minimize unhealthy conflict by being clear and intentional about the culture that you feel called to create. And when you do, I've discovered it draws people to you that connect with you, and it also reveals those that that probably aren't a good fit for the culture. Not bad people by any means, just, just not a good fit for the culture that you feel called to cultivate. And here's the simple defin the simplest definition of culture. Okay, culture is the way we do things, right? It's the way we communicate. It's it's what we collectively value as a team or as a family. It's how we love and care for other people. It's the way we uh, execute our vision. In fact, culture is so important that Dr. Sam Chan once famously said, "Culture will eat vision for lunch." Wow. Here helping us unpack today's transformational truth is Pastor Joe Dobbins, a very good friend of mine. I'm excited for you to be exposed to his voice and his ministry. Joe, welcome to Transformational Truths. Hey, it's such an honor to be here with you. And, um, you know, just hello to your, your huge audience, everybody tuning in. What an honor to be here with you as well. Well, we're really honored to have you, Joe, and you're a personal friend. And, and I know you, and it's one of the reasons I was so excited to have you on. I think you, you have something very, very important and something very, very valuable to add to leaders' lives. And today we're talking about culture. Now, Joe, you pastor a thriving, life-giving church in St. Louis, Missouri. In fact, I've had the privilege of seeing it firsthand just recently. One of the things that stood out to me was the strength of the culture that you have cultivated there. Listen to me, it is, it is an incredible culture and it's a very strong culture. And I'd like you to, for just a few minutes in your own words, Speak to us about the importance of a strong and healthy culture. 
Well, I'm so glad we're talking about this because um, I, I think so many people use this word, uh, but they don't understand this concept and they're right. missing out on something that could be so valuable to their organization or even their home. Um, you know, ultimately, a great culture helps you propel things at an accelerated rate. Mm. Um, you're going to accomplish more. It's going to be more enjoyable. And, um, and, and ultimately, you're going to be happier when you arrive than you were without it. But a toxic culture is like carbon monoxide. We mm. can be doing all the right things and, have, and just not understand why things aren't growing or living. And it's ultimately because there is an atmosphere that is robbing us of the progress that we desperately want. Mm. Wow, that's so good. I, I want to hone in on a really important point. The vision of this podcast is to uh, eliminate the barriers that take the joy out of life and leadership. And you just said something. You said if you're if you're really intentional about your culture, you're going to be happier along the way. You're going to enjoy the journey so much more. Um, I'm curious in on your own team and in your own experience with cultivating culture. Practically speaking, how has this been good for your team? Well, it's it's been everything, um, and and here's why, um, because we want to we obviously want to produce um, our mission is to uh, share the gospel with as many people as possible and to to help people um, grow in their faith. Um, so there are just some realities that that we have to do this together, and so it pulls us into alignment. But it also separates um, the difference between what I would call culture and systems. So mm. if I could unpack this for just a little bit because I think there are a lot of people who have the right systems, which is what they're actually doing is the right strategy or it's the right method, but it's not working. Hmm. It's because they have a bad culture. And so I would explain it this way. Um, you know, I grew up in a very rural part of, of America and um, my family had a garden, like a vegetable garden every year. And in the tomatoes, uh, when you plant tomatoes, um, you use a, a thing called a tomato cage, which is basically just some wires that stick into the ground and they cause the vine of the tomato to allow it to grow up versus lay on the ground, which produces the kind of fruit that you want from you know your tomatoes. Well, here, here's the deal. The tomato cage represents a system or a method of doing things, but you can put that tomato cage on pavement and nothing will grow. Hmm. But if you put that tomato cage on the right ground or soil or culture, it will grow. Now, wow. here's what's really interesting, back to what Dr. Chan said, that culture eats vision you can actually grow tomatoes without a tomato cage because soil will produce tomatoes, but you can't grow tomatoes without soil and just a tomato cage. Hmm. So the reality is this, that um, systems enhance our culture, and they, but culture is the ultimate thing that produces. So let me take that a level further. That means that the culture of your organization may be outdoing the systems of your organization. Hmm. Let's take it to a personal level. Have you ever known someone whose giftings were incredible, but they never succeeded because their attitude stunk? Oh, yeah. Systems to be productive, but their attitude or the culture of their life yeah. actually undid those giftings. And so it's it's mm -hmm. huge to the idea that if your culture's not right, no matter how talented, gifted, or yeah. how the best method your organization has, you are not going to produce. And so it distinguishes, distinguishes between method and, and the attitude that an organization or a home or an individual has. Hmm. Well, wow, that's incredible. I'm going to go off the script for a minute. I usually prepare questions so we can make the most of our time together. Um, 
you know, I've discovered in my own experience in this, this journey of learning the value of culture and cultivating the right culture, um, how important it is, Joe, to have the right, the right people in the right places on the team. And even more than that, to have the right hearts on the team. Um, cause I found out gifting alone is not enough. You can have alignment, but not have attunement. You can have the right gift and the, the right gifts in the right places. But, but if you don't have the right hearts in the gift, um, you're going to really quickly see your culture deteriorate. Have you had that experience in your own times of leading? Uh, you're an incredible leader. You've, you've led at multiple different levels. Have you seen this impact negatively impact the cultures that, that you've tried to cultivate? Absolutely. Um, you know, people are ca culture carriers. Uh, that mm -hmm. there is no culture without people, and there's no people without culture. They're just they're they're one and the same. Mm -hmm. And so, therefore, having people who may be qualified or gifted to do something, but who don't share the same culture, is often the greatest friction in a home organization <laughs> or in a life. So and true. so, um, over the years here at Twin Rivers and beyond, what we've seen is it's not enough just for us to execute the same methods. Do we have the same heart? Hmm. You know, we see this in scripture when the Bible says that, um, you know, that we produce like our own kind. Yeah. Uh, and well, the reality is this, that, you know, God, as a, as a leader, he's put specific things in me, specific views, ideas, and values that, um, that I'm going to work in a synergistic acceleration, if you will, with people who have those same kind as I do. And so a lot of the success of our situation has been not so much finding the right method. It's been finding the right people. Wow. <laughs> That's so important. Let's pause there for a second. I think there's a lot of leaders listening that can completely relate. I think there's probably some light bulbs going on right now. Like, ah, that makes so much sense. What is practical for a leader to anticipate? I mean, how long did it take you to find the right people and how often do you evaluate that? Yeah, so I, I do think it takes time and you have to create a consistency uh, that is, so to say, not that, that life's swinging on a pendulum uh, it, through um, uh, what we're going to this direction this month and then right. There has to be a consistency that allows you to then search for the right people. And so just every time that we had an opening, one of the major questions we would ask is, is this person Twin Rivers? Um, mm. Is this person match what we value? So we ask questions um, in our interview process. We expanded our interview process greatly. Um, and we started asking questions like, um, who's contributing to your personal growth? Um, who are some of your favorite authors? Some of your favorite uh, the churches that you follow? Some of your, uh, you know, the courses or the music? Because mm. um, we're trying not to see, is this person just have a great resume? We're trying to say, right. does this person carry the same value system we do? And let me be clear. Um, th that doesn't mean right and wrong. It just means right. different. And right. So right. we want to be very clear that, you know, God, the diversity of the kingdom is its strength and, and you know, love all of that. But we know who we are and right. knowing who we are allows us to find who we are. And so it's become a huge part of how we've had to uh, address attrition over the years. And here's what I would say. A person told me if you're specifically a church leader, let me say this. Um, when I became the pastor at Twin Rivers, I followed a long-term pastor. Uh, I've been here 27 years. And um, about a year in, I was saying to a friend of mine, I was saying, well, you know, transition's over. I, I'm, I'm the pastor of this church. <laughs> and they kind of said, you need to stop saying that. And, um, and I'm so glad they did because the truth is I was saying it out of insecurity. 
Now, right. but here's what they said. They said, uh, these people are with you, but transition's not over till these people are you. And mm. they said, these people don't look like you. These people don't value everything you look like. They appreciate you. They receive from you. But um, this is going to take time. And this, they said to me, they said, most transitions in organizations to truly change the culture take somewhere between five and seven years. And um, that was so freeing because yeah. it let me go, okay, I don't have to do this overnight. And then um, they've been very right. Uh, we're, we're in year eight right now. And um, we've I can finally look out and say, the value system, the people, the embodiment of who we are mm. looks like who I am. Mm. Wow. Wow. Uh, that's gold. It's just the practicality of that wisdom is is absolutely gold. Five to seven years to see that DNA transfer, I think that's really freeing for a lot of pastors and leaders that are listening. I'm curious. I think you just sort of touched on it. I was going to ask you how long you felt like it took your team to cultivate your culture at Twin Rivers, but I think you just answered that question. Yeah. And we, and just know this, every time you're able to add a team member or change out a team member uh, in the context of an organization, that's an opportunity to take a big step forward in culture um, yeah. if we're mindful to do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think maybe one of the takeaways for leaders that are listening is be patient and d don't just be intentional, be, be patient. Um, being intentional is vital, but I think being patient is also super, super important to your, to your point, Joe, uh, it was freeing to you to hear that five to seven number. It, uh, it doesn't play on your insecurity as much, does it? No. And, and then I think we all have to be honest that, um, you know, we're conditioned for this microwave idea. Absolutely. But, um, if you want to build things, you know, mushrooms are grow overnight, oak trees take decades. And so it's so <laughs> important for us to grasp if you're trying to grow something significant. No. It's going to take time and that's okay. Mm. Wow. Wow. You know, I want to just speak for a minute to pastors out there who are wrestling with going on 19 months of COVID and what that looks like for churches. I'm hearing reports constantly. In fact, just recently, Kerry Newhoff released a report that said, you know, across the nation, people are reporting 40 to 50% of congregants returning. And that can be kind of a discouraging place, but I just want to encourage pastors and leaders out there. I don't believe God sent it by any means, but I do believe God will redeem it. And I believe one of the ways God will redeem it, pastor and leaders, to give you a chance to cultivate the culture that God wants for the house. And um, I think we've we've seen some of that because I believe even in the darkness, God has a plan to to bring some light and do some good things. Um, Joe, this is already rich. You're already encouraging us. You're already equipping us practically. Uh, another thing I've personally discovered along the way is that language is key to creating culture. Um, whether at home, whether leading a team, uh, being intentional about the language we use, because if used correctly, it becomes like a chisel in the hand of the leader. You're slowly shaping culture, uh, the culture you feel called to create. And um, I know you're intentional about language, Joe. Talk to us for a moment about why our, our language in the house is so important. It is. I mean, communication is everything. It's the success of a marriage. It's the success of parenting and a success of friendship. Well, it's no different for an organization. Mm -hmm. And um, and we learned this very early on in the scriptures when we look at the Tower of Babel. You know, the Tower of Babel, mm -hmm. the Bible says that they had a common language. They're building something. Now, they're building with the wrong motive, but their common language is causing them to succeed. Mm. And, and so it's so important to realize the power that that can be harnessed in that, meaning that language is key to accomplishment. So and good. so for us, we have to rally around this idea of 
um, how we phrase things, how we see things, um, and and be specific about it. You know, um, not speaking carelessly, but really pulling in the type of attitude and communicating the message we want to. Um, so, you know, just in something small, uh, years ago, I learned uh, a kind of a phrase that would, you know, a common when you meet an obstacle as a leader, you know, people will say, well, our people won't. You know, they'll mm. say, our people won't. Yeah. Our people won't give. Right, our right. People volunteer. I, and I heard a, a leader say one time, they said, when P, that we changed that in our organization to say, um, not our people won't, but we've yet to lead our people to. Oh, um, and so that changes from the, the responsibilities on the people to now it's on the responsibility of the leader, that a yeah. leader can change any culture they want to. Yeah. So those small differences make huge, huge gains when it comes to building a culture. Mm, wow. So good. I remember I had a similar, similar type of moment a long time ago. This is a practical example. I remember, you know, just as a pastor um, and pastors and, and believers out there can relate when you go to church on Sunday, one of the ways we worship is by giving. And um, I would say in my language, I would say, okay, it's time to take the offering. And, um, and I realized when I went, that's probably not the right language. We're not called to take anything. We're giving people a chance to give. We are receiving an offering. And just that subtle shift of language. I think it, it, it helps to shape the house. It, it shapes our perspective. It shapes the way people see and receive us and receive our gifts. And I think being intentional about our language is so important. I'm curious, every once in a while I talk to leaders, Joe, and and they'll have uh, they'll actually have um, language that they don't use in the house. They're, they're trying to you know break bad habits. Have you ever had anything like that? Have you ever had to coach your team to say, hey, we don't use this language anymore? Uh, we do. Yeah. We definitely try not to blame shift to, you know, our people won't. Mm. That's one of our keys. Another one is that we always speak um, of what could be, not what is. Um, and this mm -hmm. is an important point because, you know, chances are, if you are listening today about culture, there are several things you're wanting to change. And um, so then we have to decide how are we going to change them? Well, the first uh, tool that you have in changing your culture is your language. Yeah. Uh, it, you know, as an example at Twin Rivers, uh, when I, I first came here, um, one of our observations was we were not a generous church. Mm -hmm. uh, it was in our heart to be a generous church, but we were not, uh, you know, we, I mean, we, we were not generous in any way, shape or form. We wanted you to tithe. We wanted you to give special offerings. Then we were going to charge you to go to a special retreats. And then we were even going to charge you for the CDs and messages that your tithes had already provided for. <laughs> and uh, so we were not generous in any way, shape or form. And I remember having a conversation about this to where we said, how do we really cultivate generosity? Well, at that point, um, the, the greatest tool we had was language. And so mm -hmm. I remember the very first Sunday I got a, and I said, um, man, I'm excited today because we are the most generous church on the planet. Mm. And um, the truth is we were not, <laughs> but sometimes <laughs> we have to speak those things as though they were. That's right. And so we just, we began that mantra and, um, and then we followed it up with action and uh, we started to do things that, that changed even small things. Like for example, uh, we started giving away candy, uh, you know, in the, in the, the guest central areas, we started giving away coffee. We, uh, we gave away all the CDs and DVDs. This was before podcasts and, and mm. YouTube were used. And we even upgraded the ply of toilet paper that we used. And um, you want to, <laughs> you want to get people talking in a local church, upgrade your toilet paper, you know, but what I noticed is um, because we had started to say it, people can connected even the smallest actions to it. Hmm. Well, you, if you fast forward today, that is literally who we are. Uh, we give away 
hundreds of thousands of dollars every year locally, globally. Um, if you were to ask, I'm confident in our community, um, tell me about Twin Rivers. And they would say, oh, that's one of the most generous places that you've ever been. Wow. We don't charge for any camps. We don't charge for anything. We don't even take an offering, so to say, to, you know, you and your phrase. We don't even do that in service because yeah. we've created such a culture of generosity. That's not even necessary for us anymore. And so mm. I, I just want to line up and say language is the first and most essential tool uh, because you're painting a picture of what you're going to be and not describing what you currently are. Oh, goodness, man. That is so, so good. I'm curious, Joe, uh, practically speaking, from the time that you started to be intentional about your language uh, for the church and your vision for the church, and the time you saw that really come to fruition, what, what was that? What was that time frame like for you? Well, you know, every year you're you're gaining ground. Every transition yeah. of an yeah. individual, you're gaining ground. Um, but it, what I would um, to use uh, an illustration, it's an older book, but it's one of my favorite business books. Is Jim Collins' "Good to Great," mm -hmm. um, you know, which I would suggest as a reading to anyone who's leading an organization. And he talks about the idea of the flywheel doom loop, which is mm -hmm. this concept of a um, self perpetuating uh, mechanical machine but that requires a lot of energy to get it started. So a great amount of energy to get it to go over and swim mm. the first time, a great amount of energy the second time, a great amount of energy expended the third time. But then eventually the natural momentum of this swinging motion begins to perpetuate itself to where eventually the leader can walk away from the, the actual uh, flywheel doom loop and it perpetuates itself. Mm. Um, so the reality is this, the leader just has to remain disciplined enough until there's a transference of energy from the leader to the, to the, to the mechanical in that sense, or to the people. And, and I believe that God will give you people that will grab hold of it and start to help you perpetuate it. But you have to be disciplined long enough to push it under your own energy as long as it takes until it starts to perpetuate itself. Mm. Well, that's so good and helpful. I think we've got a lot of pastors and leaders listening, Joe, and I'd love to ask you from your perspective, what do you think is the single most important thing you do, you do as a lead pastor to cultivate and protect the culture of Twin Rivers, the church that you pastor? Well, I think, um, first of all, is embodiment, right? I mean, it, nobody's going to, nobody cares what you say. They look at what you do. And right. so to, to change a culture, I must first change myself. Mm. Um, and so I have to start to embody that. Every time I personally violate the culture, I give everyone else the permission to violate it. And so it's mm. so important for me to recognize even small things. When I show up late to meetings, I'm giving permission for other people to do that. Right. Uh, when I, you know, gossip, I'm giving other people permission to do that. When right. I dishonor someone, whatever it is, I'm giving people permission. Right. So a personal embodiment is very important. Now, that doesn't mean I have to be perfect. It doesn't. But it means I have to authentically um, recognize and acknowledge when I miss the mark. Okay, mm -hmm. so I don't have to be perfect, but I do need to be the one who corrects myself in front of everyone to show that I didn't keep this uh, in, in that way. So right. I think embodiment's number one. I think number two is um, to reward. Um, uh, you know, what we reward is often what gets repeated. I mean, we've all heard this before. What's well, very true. So what do you celebrate? Um, figuring out what you celebrate begins to build that into the nature of what people want to do. Mm. Um, it's, you know, Pavlov figured it out with his dogs all the way forward to, um, you know, the sports teams have scoreboards and we celebrate because they've taught right. us 
celebrate. And so I think, you know, building in regular um, celebrations, you know, if you look at scripture, God's the one that came up with that idea. He set a mm. schedule of feasts, you know, for us to celebrate his goodness. So um, a lot of organizations miss out on that. We're so driven on what's next, what's coming up, what do we got to do? Let's analyze and, and you know, overanalyze what went wrong that we never take time to celebrate what went right. And so that mm. is huge to begin to reward whatever's going right. And then I think the, the other one that I would point out is frequent feedback. This is mm -hmm. an adjustment we've made recently that, man, it's, it's just gained us so much ground, which is this, when someone violates culture, first of all, you have to be brave enough to acknowledge that. And we have to have a conversation. We can't yeah. let it uh, just continue. But I think the timing and the, um, the, the uh, approach matter so much. I heard someone say recently, they said, most coaching in college football is not done in practice. It's done in between plays. Hmm. And what they were ref referring to is, is that, you know, in between each play, the coach is pulling someone to the sideline and there's this 15 second feedback. Right feedback that helps them make immediate adjustments. And I started thinking about that in our organization. And here's the reality. If I work for you, Travis, and you uh, notice I do something wrong, and then you call me and say, hey, Joe, I'm gonna, I need you to see you in two weeks in my office. Some things are not going right. So then over that two weeks, I, you're in my head. I'm building it into a, a worst case scenario. Right. And I, chances are I'm going to mess up again. So now you've collected two or three things that I've done wrong. So right. that when I sit down, I'm defeated before we talk, um, which means mm. I'm not as receptive to the coaching. And then you're unpacking not just one thing, but multiple things, which make me think, oh my gosh, he, he's got no confidence in me. He's got this list. We're not talking about what we're well. And it's just a defeating thing. And chances are we've taken so long to meet about it. Right. That that, that honestly, uh, it's already in some ways could become across irrelevant or like you're digging up the past versus right. you're willing to come to me immediately and go, Hey, I just want to point out, this is how we do that this way. Come on, let, let, let's make this quick adjustment. I, there's no emotion in it. It feels like you're coaching me. It's fresh in my mind. Mm. It's far in my memory. And it lets me get quick. Sometimes meetings add weight to hmm. issues that really need to be handled in a moment. Gosh, that's and so I true. think that's so important. So this frequent feedback is something we're getting really comfortable. High feedback and frequent is something we're trying to do in our organization. Hmm. Wow. Wow. That's so true. I want to back up just for a second. You talked about celebrating uh, the culture you want to create. So when, when things happen that reflect the culture, you take time to celebrate it. You know, for a leader that's listening to this, what, what does that look like? What do you mean celebrate? What would you say? What does celebrating something look like for you in, in the church that you pastor? Yeah. So one of our favorite things to do is, um, you know, our, our current staff, uh, we have a lot of sneaker heads, you know, people who are just so uh -huh. passionate about their shoe wear. So after Easter, uh, if you every year you're with us at Easter, um, we will come in the Sunday after Easter. We'll tell some stories about life change. We'll celebrate the number of people that were saved, you know, the executed events. And then Kayla and I personally buy a pair of sneakers that are fresh and custom for every person. And we write on there that um, beautiful or the feet of those who bring the good news. <laughs> um, and so we tie, you know, the number of people who responded to the gospel to the shoes they get. And, um, and it's just a small gesture uh, to, again, pause and celebrate um, mm. that we just accomplished something great uh, together. And so let, let's take time to, to really, and what that does for them is, is it pulls them in and lets them go, um, what really matters here? And why do I, why mm. are we executing this? It feels like a win. Um, and, and ultimately it pulls them back to, it's not just about numbers 
numbers. It's not just about executing. It is about the number of people who said yes to Jesus. Amen. Amen. Joe, what about the what about the pastor who's listening and saying, man, I, that's, I would love to do that. I just don't have the budget to buy everyone's shoes. How can I celebrate when we get something right? Yeah. Well, you know, what's funny is, is I think um, public praise is the most valuable uh, uh, gift that I can give someone. What's interesting in those moments is they love the shoes, but they tear up at my public praise of each mm. one of them when I acknowledge what they've done. Wow. So sometimes uh, I think we we low uh, lowly estimate, if you will, mm. how much bragging on publicly admonishing, you know, encouraging and celebrating someone is in front of their peers and just being real intentional to highlight those things. So if you asked our team, yeah, they appreciate the shoes, but the moment they really love is when I, as the senior leader, take time to bless them in front of their, their peers. Mm, wow. <laughs> That's incredible. We have a, a mutual relationship in uh, Bishop Quarter, uh, and he has, um, uh, he has uh, this great wisdom and he has these these things called quarterisms, and um, he talks about praise. and And he's I'd like to share this because it's just a, a good time. We were recently having this conversation. He said, "You know, uh, private praise um, makes people feel good. Public praise makes people feel valuable." That's so good. Yeah, yeah. Um, to your point, so you don't have to have a huge budget to celebrate. Um, we can celebrate on any level in many different levels. Um, or if you want a new pair of shoes, apply for a job at Twin Rivers. Um, <laughs> And uh, I absolutely love what you're doing. Um, so, Joe, we've talked about healthy culture and cultivating culture. You've talked about the most important things you do. You celebrate intentionally, instant feedback and coaching, such a valuable, such a valuable exercise and discipline. You, you know, hold, let me pause there for a second. What about the challenge of making that part of your culture? Um, how? Let's drill down for a second. How have you been intentional about the feedback? Because, you know, anytime you try to adopt a new idea, a new concept, um, at first you're excited about it and the energy level's high and it's easy to remember to do it. But if you're not intentional after about four to six weeks, it can start to fall off. So what have you done to be intentional about that, that feedback to keep that going? Yeah, it does. And, and, and I think that's one of the challenges of being the senior leader is you're the ultimately it has to stop with you. And so mm -hmm. if, if this value um, evaporates, it's because you let it. So I think it's important. Um, a couple of things I would say is you're you can't have a lot of different cultures. Um, you really have to narrow down and be decisive that we are going to embody this handful of cultures because it's just too hard to maintain. Mm. You know, uh, these are arbitrary numbers, but 12 to 15 ideas or values right right um, for, for most of us it's, it's going to be four to five you know right. and you're really going to keep bringing those back so a couple practical things though on this that have helped us is that um what i, I would say is that feedback is as needed but teaching or training is pre-planned mm. so creating time on your calendar for these cultures is so important so in our organization the first tuesday of every month we revisit one of our cultures uh, with mm. a staff teaching and one of our executive team teach it. Uh, it could be on excellence. It could be on honor. It could be on generosity, whatever it is. Yeah. But um, I think just the fact that most of the time we're saying we want this culture, but you can't find it on the calendar. So just creating some mm. intentional time to train. And I want to tell you the other thing that training does when you talk about it in training, um, then you get to point back to that in correction. 
So mm. training is the proactive building of this as an idea, as an expectation. Correction is pointing back to the training versus without the training. It just, it can feel, per- correction can feel personal. Right. It can feel heady. It can feel uh, inconsistent, but when they've heard it before and then you point back to it, it it takes out some of those negative emotions. So I think, you know, first of all, are we training it in our calendar in a regular way? Are we giving feedback to it in a, in a, in as it, as needed? And then again, are we rewarding it um, in post of it being done? If you can do that, meaning proactively, we're going to train it reactively. We're going to give it feedback and and in a post, we are going to reward it. I think you can get about any culture you want. Mm, excellent. We've talked about healthy culture. I want to ask a different kind of a question from a different direction. Joe, what is one thing that can sabotage a healthy culture? Yeah, well, I, I think obviously um, sometimes we sabotage our own cultures. You know, culture is happening whether we recognize it or decide it or not. It's happening because it's an embodiment of who we are. That's right. So your attitude. So you know, I think the one of the things is is having self awareness is a huge need for culture, especially if you're in a position like you or I are in, because we can inadvertently so be worried about everybody else in the culture they're creating and are they lining up that we don't realize we're also perpetuating some negative cultures. Mm. And so um, I think having people in your life who you can say, what am I doing that you feel like um, may be duplicated or replicated in an organization that that's not good. So, you know, I have a trusted group of people around me um, that I'm, I'm going to ask regular questions. What am I doing? That's not helping us. What am I saying? That's not helping us. What am I putting off? That's not helping us. Hmm. Self-awareness seems to be one of the most, um, one of the lost leadership arts that's so desperately needed in these times Mm. that we recognize our own selves, what our deficiencies are, uh, depend on God's grace to, to obviously see them corrected. But uh, we are creating culture, whether we realize it or not. And often we're sabotaging the very thing we say we want. Mm. That's so good. Joe, for the person who's listening and they've had a moment where, where they've realized as they're listening, listen, I want to correct an unhealthy aspect of, of their culture, or or they wonder if there's hope to turn the culture of their home, their church or business around, what advice would you give them to encourage them today? Yeah. So, you know, as we wrap up, this is kind of what comes to my mind is decide what you want. I think um, sometimes we can have conversations about culture and systems and structure and all these things, but we can't even define what we really do want. And so mm-hmm. take the time to sit down and figure out where do you want this organization, this family, this, this you know, uh, team, whatever it is you're leading, where do you want? What cultures do you want? And actually outline them. You know, it was um, several years ago that I looked around and there were things that I just didn't like about our organization. I didn't like about the, the operation, the attitude. And you know what? I, I just had this thought. I've got to almost live here I need to create this into a place I actually would enjoy. You know, I mean, I'm going to put 90,000 hours into my work life, just like you are, just like our listeners are, you know, they're 90,000 hours. It deserves me taking the time to actually create an environment or a team or a culture that I want to be a part of. That you enjoy. Yeah. And so um, I think that is the first thing is to just sit down. And I think most people's culture is built on two things. First, it's built on happenstance, which just means what it is. It is what it is. You know, it's it's Mm -hmm. whatever we 
we've naturally fallen into. It's yeah. what we've naturally, you know, it's, it's just who we've become. We didn't realize it. We weren't intentional about it. It just is who we are. And then, the, then I think there's some of us who are leading organizations that um, it's actually based on comparison. We're mm. going to conferences. We're reading books by other authors and other leaders who, atti- who who have cultures that are strong and compelling. And so we just adopted their culture. You know, right. we just said, "Well, right. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be that church. I'm going right. to be this organization. I'm going to be that leader." And and it may be an improvement from what you had, but it's not what God's called you to. Right? You know, because God's made you into the leader um, to set the culture to define the attitude of that organization. And so um, I would just say, take time to define it. If that means pulling away for a couple of days, if that means uh, breaking out of your routine to say, God, what kind of organization, what kind of home, what kind of, of, of attitude do you want, culture do you want for the thing that I'm responsible for? And start to write down a few of the values that you want to see. They may be the exact opposite of what you currently are. I looked at a church that wasn't generous and decided we wanted to be generous. Mm. Um, you may look at something that says looks nothing like what you want it to be. You may maybe in your own home, you say, you know, we're going to be a family who honors God's word and nobody's reading the Bible right now. Right. That's okay. But by defining it, you can begin to build it. Mm. And, and then I would just say to the people listening, that's going to be an intimidating moment. There's going to be an intimidation where you look around and you go, Hey, this looks nothing like what I feel like God's calling us to be. Don't be intimidated. That's the reason God put you there. That's so good. He looked through the tunnel of time and he could have put you in, you know, 1621, 1921, but he chose 2021 (laughs) because he crafted you uh, with the perfect temperament, the perfect insights, the perfect giftings. You were the tool he chose for this problem. (laughs) And so take confidence in his sovereignty that he's placed you and begin to take steps to speak it, to embody it, to reward it. And then ultimately you're going to see it when you do those things, but it all starts with defining what you want it to be. Mm, wow. So good. I want to recap today's transformational truth. A healthy culture can cure unnecessary conflict. Uh, Pastor Joe, where can people find you? You know, I'd love to connect with people in really two places. You can go to our podcast, our YouTube channel, learn more about Twin Rivers at twinrivers.church, hear all kinds of messages and things there. Um, but I'd love to connect with you personally as well at on Instagram uh, at P.S. Joe Dobbins, P.S. Joe Dobbins, Pastor Joe Dobbins. Uh, it's a great way to connect personally. So it, it'd be an honor to, to hear from some of the listeners. Absolutely. And if you'd like to connect with Pastor Joe Dobbins, please check out the links that we've included for you in the show notes. And I really, I highly, highly recommend that you do. There's so much wisdom in Pastor Joe and so many ministry gifts and leadership gifts. He will be a blessing to you and your ministry organization. And listen, if Transformational Truths is helpful to you, please do me a favor. Take a moment, go over to Apple iTunes, rate the show and write me a quick review. I want to help you restore the joy to your life and your leadership. Pastor Joe, thank you so much for being with us today. What an honor to be here. Love this podcast. Love you. And I'm so grateful for all God's using you to do.